Glory to God. Well, we're going to uh, continue in 1 John. Uh, The title of today's message is Faith That Overcomes. Thank you, everybody, for praying for me for last week. I wasn't feeling good. Thank you, Julie, for the card. Yeah. (laughs) God is good. Amen. Okay, so let's turn to 1 John. 1 John is right before 2 John. 1 John chapter 5 is right after 1 John chapter 4. So we're finding our way around the Bible. And we're going to start in verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It's really important for us to really uh, dig deep into the Word of God. And let's see what God is speaking to us today. Amen? Amen. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Heavenly Father, thank you. Your word declares that you have written your laws and your precepts upon our heart and our mind. And we ask that you would bring these things to our remembrance every time that we are faced with a difficulty in our lives. We ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding this day, that we would receive revelation from heaven, newness of life, discover who we are and how to walk in kingdom principles, and live out the rest of our days so that they're pleasing to you. Anoint us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 When we put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, uh, we're born again spiritually. Uh, Just like in verse 1, it says right here, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. We are born again spiritually. Jesus himself says, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. We have, like we've read in 1 John already, we have, we now possess eternal life. We're not trying to get eternal life. We have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. This is an amazing truth, isn't it? That we're, we're the children of God. Think about it. We are the children of the living God. Amen. God's our very own father. Yeah. Yes. We're God's kids. I like that. We're God's kids. We have a special spot. We have, we're God's kids. Now John is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he, he addresses us as what? Dear children. I like that. Dear children. Dear children. And then he talks about our relationship with God the Father. And he uses that specific word called koinonia. And that's an intimate relationship, a personal relationship that we have access to the throne of God. We are welcome there. And it's not like we're interrupting God because he's waiting for us. 
I think this is pretty amazing. It's really good. And we're meant to experience God the Father just like a family. We really understand that God is our Father. And it is an intimate relationship that He wants with us. It's not like He's keeping us at a distance. It's not like, okay, you're here and we'll figure everything out at the end. No, step by step, God the Father wants to direct us us in this relationship so that we can have the yeah. love of a father yeah we're God's all of us think about it we're God's spirit we're siblings you're my sister you're my brother we're that's amazing it's now listen we sometimes have families that are broken but this is a family that's whole. And we've got to understand how this works as brothers and sisters because we should be caring for one another. Amen? Now look at what it says here again. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. That love that we're experiencing should be shared among all of us. It's really important for us. Sharing, this is what the gospel is, that we, we work out the gospel by loving one another. And it, as we read in John, it's not just like merely just saying I love you, because that's really easy, isn't it? Love you. No, John is talking about we are actually living out and fleshing out that love by helping them with tasks, needs. We fulfill these things. It's not enough to say, I love you. We have to actually go beyond the words and actually flesh it out, live it out, share this love. I'm to show my love by my actions. Amen? Amen. This yeah. is really important yeah. because it is easy. Love you. No. Yeah, it's like scripture says, be warm and fed. Meanwhile, the person needs heat and clothing. It's like, well, it's nice to say I love you, but <laughs> how about putting some action to that love? And this, we talked about this a few weeks ago about mm -hmm. the differences between the words love. This word John keeps using 51 or so times in this letter is yeah. the word agape for love in the Greek, which means... A love that uh, will do something to benefit somebody else. So it's not this feely, I feel good about you and this is why I love you because you make me feel good. It's a love that looks out and says, I see you have a need mm -hmm. and I want to help you, even if it costs me something. Right. And that's part of this whole understanding of agape love because it will cost us something. To, in, in order, it'll, it'll cost us maybe in our time. You know, when you just take time, you see somebody to serve a meal, make a meal. These people, somebody's sick in the house, I'll take time to do that. You know, when we give people, we're so busy. So when we give people a little portion of our time, it says a lot to them. It says, I value you. Like I'll put aside what I was going to do to help you. So it'll, this agape love to show love to one another will, it'll cost us in a lot of ways. It'll cost us our money sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. to give of our resources Again, it's not enough to just say, look at those people living over there across the world. They have nothing. That's too bad. No. God, help them with water. 
and then, you know, close the magazine and walk away. Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, why don't you give? <laughs> why don't you write a check? Why don't you put some action to that compassion that's rolling around because it's coming from the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's his heart saying, I want you to be generous with your life because we look at God's life and we see how generous he was. He gave his best. He gave Jesus. And so he's going to ask us to do the same, whether it's our time, it could be our money, it could be showing patience and kindness and understanding yeah. when you just don't feel like it. Like when people get on your nerves. <laughs> of course, I'm talking to Christians. Nobody in here has anybody that gets on their nerves, right? But it's true. It's like we're going to extend patience when we don't feel like giving patience. That's a, that costs you something, doesn't it? And, and these things are important to God. Yeah. That yeah. we show this kind of love. This is the kind of love Jesus is the Lord's meaning when we read this scripture. We say to, we have spiritual siblings. Right. We're all spiritual siblings. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, we show God that we love him by loving the people that he loves. Right. Right? So he, if, he, if, if, if you, we're special to God, if I'm a child of God, then you're a child of God. And if God loves me and I feel special to God, then I need to show that same specialness to you because that's how God feels about each one of us. And, you know, and as we were writing this message, this is really important to God. I think way more important than we can understand. Like, I've been rereading this book called Imagine Heaven. Um, we had done a series of messages on it about five years ago. And it's a, it's a, it's a book about thousands of, of near-death experiences that people have had. Someone researched them all, and they were looking for common denominators in all of these experiences that people had. And multitudes of them, like thousands of them, said similar things, like they saw this pure, this being of pure light. And many of them knew it was Jesus. Like in this, this supreme compassion and love emanating from this being, along with this life review. I think all of us kind of yeah. understand that we, we know in Scripture it says that one day we're going to face God in a judgment and have a review of our life. And many of them had that happen. And I just want to read a, a portion of one of these persons' experiences, what happened. She said, everything I ever thought, did, said, hated, helped, did not help, should have helped, was shown in front of me the crowds of hundreds of people that passed through my life. And everyone, like in a movie, how mean I'd been to people, how I could have helped them, how mean I was even unintentionally to animals. Yes, even the animals had, had feelings. It was horrible. I fell on my face in shame. I saw how my acting and my not acting rippled in effect towards other people and their lives. It wasn't until then that I understood how each little decision or choice to love or not love affects the world. The sense of letting my savior down was too real and strangely, even during this horror, I felt a compassion and an acceptance of my limitations by Jesus and the crowd of others. Now I wanted to read a little portion of another one. This was a woman who was in the Middle East and a terrorist bomb ripped through their church and she said, I was thrown 10 feet into the air and smashed against the opposite wall. I called out to Jesus silently in my agony, Jesus, help me. And then in that instant, my spirit left my body and I died. 
And when I opened my eyes, I saw brilliant white light illuminating Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. His face was brighter than the sun, and he was so glorious. It was as if Jesus could see through me, reading all the thoughts of my heart. My whole body was shaking. I felt so unworthy to be in his presence. Yet he radiated an amazing love that contained deep acceptance. And so I felt neither condemnation nor shame. And he said, welcome home, Samah. He said in a sweet voice, gentle yet powerful like the sound of many waters. He opened his arms to me. His eyes were like blazing fires of consuming love that overwhelmed me. And like a magnet, his love drew me in. And then she said, he he did this. Jesus showed me my life. As if seeing snapshots of a movie, I watched myself growing up. The 19 years I'd lived passed right in front of my eyes. And after seeing the choices I had made, I realized I had been living for my own agenda and repented. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. All my life, I've been living for myself, my ways, my dreams, my desires, my plans. But it's not about me. It's about you and loving people. He wanted me to go back for my family for their salvation, but also for the salvation of his family, yeah. which is multitudes. It's the people of God. And so he, it goes on to say, he never forced me, but he gave me freedom to choose. And I told him it was my choice that I wanted to go back to the earth and be a witness for him, this time motivated by love, not a sense of just duty. All right, see you soon, he said. <laughs> and immediately a fresh wave of love washed over me. It felt so easy to talk to him, to communicate like a child speaking to her father. And so when, I, when you read these experiences of people, and granted, these are experiences of people. Some people will say, well, that's not the word of God. But many of these things correlate in the word of God. Yes. About, and I thought to myself, even like the parable came to my mind about Jesus at the end of the age when he separates the sheep from the goats. Like my love for him, my willingness, you know, to show love and, and love him is he's going to look at it through, were you willing to love people? And, you know, remember that parable, it's in Matthew 25. Um, he says, when Separated. he separates the sheep from the goats at the end of the age... And he says to the sheep on the right, come, you know, and inherit the kingdom that my father has prepared for you and be blessed because you gave me food and drink when I was thirsty and you clothed me when I was naked and you visited me when I was in prison. And the people in that parable go, when did we see you, Jesus? Like, we didn't ever see you like that. And he he says, well, whenever you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, let's put this on the screen, Matthew 25, 40. Yeah, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Wow. And then he rebukes, you know, the, the goats on his left or like the people on the left for not giving care or thought to the people when they saw actually him in need. And they, and they replied the same way, like, when did we ever see you, Jesus, in need? We didn't see you in need walking around the streets. In verse 45, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you didn't do for me. Think about what he's saying. 
So when we see people in need, we need to be learning to see them through the eyes of Christ. Yes. It's like, this is, a, this is a brother or sister in Christ. Like, and if it were Jesus, wouldn't you go, I, I, I'm going to help you, I'm going to do something. But we tend to just look at people like a blur, like, well, you're just mm. another person in my life. But if we would begin to see people the way Jesus sees them, these words make us pause and think because look what verse 46 says. The goats on the left, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so it makes, it's like this thing about saying, just yelling, I love you. And that's mm. about as much as I want to be involved in your life or care about your life or do anything to benefit your life. It doesn't, it doesn't really click with the Lord. These things are supremely important to him. Do I show love and care and concern for my brothers and sisters in Christ who God puts right in front of me? Yeah. Because sometimes we could think, well, this is a people across the world and we should care for people and do missions work across the world. But God's ordained it. He's like, I put a little body of people right here. People in this room. That's right. We're all, yeah. We would all be considered you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, would we not? And so God gives us a church body to practice these things. Have we ever thought about it that way? That's why we should actually highly exalt the people that are here. We should... Uh, consider, like the scripture says, better than ourselves. We, we should be looking at them. You know, he's, he's, Jesus is saying, you know, here's a little body of Christ that I've put you in. And uh, it's almost like Jesus is saying, well, show me your love. No, show, yeah, yeah, show, show me. Yeah, show me your show love. Show me love because in you is Christ. So if I'm helping you, I'm actually showing love to Christ. Yes, we, it we really exalts it. the level of humanity around us, and especially the body of Christ, when we, when we see things this way. Yeah, he's, he's in Galatians 6, he says, for us to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. I mean, and it's important for us, like, if you come to this church very often, you're going to find out that we're asking you to judge yourself on this. Don't judge other people on it. Just judge yourself here. How are we doing with this? How are we doing with this? This is good news to find this out before it's too late, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it's good that we can make an adjustment right here, right now. It's important, you know, because Jesus is concerned about how we treat each other. And the Bible declares, what's the second and the, the commandments? What's the greatest one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second one is like it, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are where it comes down really practical to live out the love of God in our heart. That's been shed abroad in our heart. We can do this. You know, Jesus sees... And he considers it, our concern for one another is really equal to our concern for him. It, this is sobering to mm -hmm. us. It's, it, and it should be. All of us, we should be saying, Lord, pour it on because you know as well as I do, we're going to get our, our toes stepped on today. But it's okay. It's just like what Pastor Mamie read out of the book. 
I saw all of my, it was horrible the way I treated people. But yet I had all this compassion and love and acceptance from the Lord as he was doing it. And it's really to change. It's to call us to change. It, this is really important. Look at, look at verse 2 here, what it says. It says, it's really interesting on in how he writes this. It's really amazing. He says, by this we know that we love the children of God when, when we love God and obey his commandments. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God, what does it say here? It actually means it's expressed when I love the children. To put it another way, it says this. When I walk with God and allow him to govern my life, doing my best to follow his commandments, it demonstrates my love for you. When I walk in following God, when I walk in obeying his commandments, it proves to God that I love you. Doesn't that sound weird? It, 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 this is on PowerPoint. Look at this next thing. One of the most loving things you can do for others is to love and obey God yourself. Because when we do our best to love and obey God, we create an atmosphere of love. We, we, in a sense, manifest the kingdom. And people and things flourish in an atmosphere of love. You ever found that out? We don't have to hide or pretend, you know, and there's a freedom to discover things. And when we mess up, it's not like a permanent thing. <laughs> Because that love is willing to forgive and we're willing to grow. It actually spurs others on to do good deeds, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it? You found that in your own life. When somebody's kind to you, well, it's easy to be kind to them. When, when you take care of your walk with God, loving and serving Him, you're doing a good thing for the rest of us. You ever think of it that way? This is, this is a real revelation. When I'm following God, doing the best thing I can to follow Him, to obey Him, it's for your benefit. Yeah, I mean, just consider it in a relationship, in your family. Somebody starts to walk with God, obey God, bringing the love of God into yeah. that home. Well, mm -hmm. doesn't that benefit the rest of the people? It just it starts to emanate yes. good things, love, hope, faith, and the atmosphere. And so our obedience to God, you know, it may not be exactly like doing something specific to help somebody, but in the long right. run, my obedience to God, your obedience and desire to follow him is going to influence mm -hmm. your life, your family life. It's going to influence our church. yes in a great and positive way, the way God would intend. Like, so like we, we have a few things 
like to make points around this. Like number one, like when I love and obey God, if I love and obey God, I'm going to be walking in the light. This is what we talked about in First John, the first, beginning chapters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm walking in the light, well, that's better than walking in darkness, isn't it? <laughs> If I'm walking in darkness, I open the door to deception. Yes. I open the door to strife. And that begins to wreck relationships, Mm -hmm. right? So a person, if I desire to walk, love God and do my best to just walk in the light, then I'm going to be a person who's resisting darkness. That's a good thing, isn't it? Am I not going to be bringing something good into this group if Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who wants to walk in the light? Absolutely. Spiritual you know, it'll give us, yeah. it'll give you more spiritual discernment. Yeah. It's just like Cindy coming up here. That's spiritual discernment. It's like you're hearing from God. I want to say something to encourage these people. That's, a, that's actually, you know, an outcome of somebody walk, well, obeying God. Yeah. Walking in his commandments and walking in the light. And now I'm actually bringing encouragement to these people. Come on. So you see how it was, who would have thought her coming up here, was that an act of love? Well, it was in God's sight. Because it all threaded back into someone's walk of obedience and walk in the light. So all these things matter in our life. You know, you you and I will make the church and our family relationships so much better when we walk in the light. Just consider these things in your own home. Like when a parent begins to walk in the light, it brings God's light. When a parent decides, you know, I want to take my kids to church and I want them to learn about God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a, a loving way, a way to show love to your kids? Amen. You know, sometimes I think it's easy to think that showing love to my kids is giving them everything they want and, you know, show, giving them a lot of material things. Uh, we think this is showing them love. But really, the way we show love according to God is my own commitment as a parent to do yes. my best to be somebody that you know, is walking with the Lord. When I'm doing that, I'm actually inadvertently in the long run, I'm going to be showing love to my kids. Yes. You're actually showing them how to get on the path of life. How great of an inheritance is that? Now, when you think about Man, it, like the Lord would be like, that's what I want. It doesn't matter how much money and resources and opportunities like that way, kind of like what Amanda was saying during the hosting, like you think this is what success is. No, God is saying success is when you help your child walk in the light. Amen. And then often it's going to begin with a parent. So let's take another look at another way um, we could do this. Number two, when I love and obey God, I'll spend time with him. Yes. And then my time and my obedience, if this, if this is the outcome, leads to what? It leads to life transformation. Amen. Right? So anytime you and I become more transformed to be like Jesus, that's a good thing. Amen? <laughs> we like that. So, I mean, let's say a person who deals with anger issues for years, they're touchy, you know, they're fretful about things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're easily offended. Well, what does that do in relationships with people? Everybody's like walking around eggshells around them. Don't say that. Don't say that. You might set them off. Oh, oh, right? And a lot of harsh words, mean words, regrettable words get said through angry attitudes. 
But see, like if I would, if I purposely would, will spend time with God and seek his help, you know, he's going to help me correct me. He's going to help yeah. me see that anger and help me, you know, do whatever it is that he helps me to let go of it so that my life, it turns into patience really is what it does. Hallelujah. I don't fly off the hook. I'm, I'm walking in the patience of God. And so my time spent with him and my desire to be obedient to him uh-huh. benefits the family. For it might sure. not just be like, oh, I gave you something to show you love. See, sometimes we, we just get all mixed up about what, Come on. how love works. Come on. But that life transformation that I'm working on works to benefit us in the church when we're all kind of going yeah. somewhere with this. And it works the same way in our home. I could be a better spouse whenever I'm working on myself. That's so important. Amen. And then a third way, you know, again, the third way that my love for God and obedience to his commandments, it shows my love to you is that I will be teachable and allow course correction in my life. When, when I allow that, it's expressing love to you. You know, we all have blind, blind spots. Even most holy people have blind spots. You know, we all deal with our flesh for sure. And it, it's, uh, it, I think we've all been around people who are not teachable, you know, and actually in denial about their blind spots. Uh, it could be in the church family. It could be in the home. That's for sure. It, it's it's everybody is like you're talking about walking on eggshells. It's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about because it's going to blow up. I mean, it could be addiction. It could be, uh, you know, unforgiveness, pride. It could be, you know, that uh, it could be self-pity. It could be playing the victim. It's, but when I'm allowing myself to take these course corrections, when I repent, doesn't the atmosphere change in the house? Yeah. Doesn't it? It really does. And totally. the same thing with, yeah. with, at a church body. When we become teachable, when we're willing to say that I'm wrong, I did it wrong, I didn't know that it's course corrections and what happens then all of a sudden now the relationships start to bud and it all comes and is infused by the life of God. This is what we want. Mm -hmm. You know, when I love God and obey his commandments, I'm becoming teachable. And I allow course corrections in my life. And I am, by that action, I'm showing love to you. Because it changes the atmosphere. And the fourth way, that my love for God and obedience to his commandments shows love to you, is that I, I, I won't become an instrument of temptation towards others that are in the family of God or in my own family. Uh, carnal believers harm other people. You know, they, wow. Well, you invite gossip. You know, it, it's, it's like uh, you find a, uh, a character flaw and then you drive it home with the people, which encourages more gossip. 
And then you start to attack the authority around you. And then that brings other people into the very same thing. And what's happening here then is, is we, we've got to change that attitude. And when we start to love God and obey His commandments, that stuff starts to fall off. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because all this uh, backbiting, all this gossip, all this fault finding, all this will weaken a church mm-hmm. and it'll weaken your family. Absolutely, yeah. And so what we've got to do is allow ourselves to follow God. And when we do this, what's going to happen is that it's going to change the atmosphere. And even what happens as we grow in Christ, that carnal behavior starts to fall off of us. And if we stay in a carnal position, what happens is that we start to take on cultural sin. Which is? Which would be watching <laughs> porn is okay. If you, I mean, our whole educational system is moving in this direction, folks. Uh, we've got to pay attention to what's happening, you know. And now uh, recreation, smoking weed is okay. And uh, then getting drunk is okay. Gambling's okay. You know, these are weaknesses of the flesh that society is saying it's okay to do that. When we do that, what are we doing? We're inviting darkness in. Mm-hmm. We are. But yet, when I'm in love with God and I want to follow His commandments, that stuff stops because I'm growing. And my willingness to grow and have the course corrections and bring about my action to obey God, it shows my love to you. It shows my love to you. So fifth way, number five, when I love and obey God, I become a, a positive contributor to the strength, health, and fellowship of my church family. I mean, these things are, they all fit together. They all thread together. Like, when we, when you love and obey God, you're really working to become a better person, what you say. You're working on your character. And it contributes to the overall spiritual health, Mm -hmm. emotional health, and strength in a group of people. I mean, you could, you could apply this even in a work setting. Yes. You get somebody who wants to be a better worker, a better helper, you know, better character. Hey, it's going to help that office setting in ways that, that are going to be good. So we often forget, like, that what I'm doing or not doing... Or not doing. ...has a great impact on the people around me. I mean, when we, when we want to be a positive, if I'm loving and obeying God the best that I can, again, none of us are going to do this perfectly, but if we're on our yeah. way, I end up doing something, I contribute something positive. I come into that group, not just to be a taker, but I come to contribute. Yes. This is, just, this is really important. I mean, and conversely, like if we neglect our walk with God, then, yeah. you know, we inadvertently are like, bringing darkness, if you will. And, and we all know what it feels like. If, you know, to, to work, if you're on a mission, you're in a group. I just remember way back in school, high school, <laughs> when you had these group projects and you had five people you were working with and you all had to do it together and you're all going to get the same grade. 
But you always had a couple people in the group that are like, yeah, well, I'll just sort of ride on the coattails of whatever you all are doing, right? Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> I mean, just dragging their feet. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, whatever you do, you know, I'll just agree with it so that I don't have to do too much. And it's hard. Yeah. We want to be a contributor, but it's hard to be a contributor because, you know, our world is telling us to just quit and cancel and do your own thing yeah. and, and disappear when it gets too hard and I don't want to work and all the things. We want the easy. Everybody just wants the easy way. But if I'm going to learn to be a positive contributor, which the Lord wants us to be, I'm going to have to learn the meaning of faithfulness. Come on. What is faithfulness? Showing up when I don't feel like it. You know, why do I do it? Because others are depending on me. See, I'm thinking it's not about me and how I feel. It's about how I'm going to leave these other people stranded. And so it costs me. It's like, no, I got to go do it. I don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. So faithfulness means that I'm going to stick it out with a good attitude. That's the other part of it is like, well, not just I'm here. (laughs) What do you want me to do? See, it's sort of like pulling somebody along. We, we, if, because I do believe that as we spend time with God, he, he's teaching us faithfulness. Amen. And faithfulness means that I, I don't do enough just to get by. The Lord is saying, go all in. Jesus said, you know, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them too. You know, we, we tend to like to be people that just, this is good enough. Right. And the Lord's always saying, no, go one better. Because we have Christ in us. Yes. We have the spirit of excellence in us. And so he's calling us to excellence. We have to let this, these things be awakened in us. And so we're showing agape love when we do it. Look at Ephesians 4.15. We thought this scripture tied this together really well. That, you know, how our fellowship gets, overall gets healthier and stronger spiritually gets stronger emotionally you know when we each work on loving god and and obeying him ephesians 4:15 says in, instead we will speak the truth in love and the amplified said you know or let our lives lovingly express truth this mm-hmm. is really what we're talking about growing in every way more and more like christ who is the head of his body the church look at verse 16 He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. There you go. See, we're all to be contributors. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, can you see how we're all interconnected? Yes. This isn't about one person doing one thing and running the whole. No, God's put us all together. We are all to help the other parts to grow. My part, your part is important to, especially like the mission of the church. Yeah. Really, the mission of the church is the high, one of the highest priorities of God's heart. So what one part is doing or one part is not doing really does matter to the overall health of what we can do together. Right. Yeah, look at what it says here. As each part does its own special work. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow. And again, like just like yeah, what Pastor yeah. Mamie says, we're truly interconnected. We really are. What you do affects me. What I do affects you. And this really is important for a body of believers, especially in the times we live in right now. 
Times are going to get tough. And if we aren't in one accord, things are going to start to break down. But yet when we actually start and allow God to bring these course corrections in our life, it proves that I love you and that I want to do what I'm called to do. I want to do my special work so that you can grow healthy. It's important. We want a healthy church and all of us are part of it. You can't escape your part because we want to be like what Jesus said to the sheep. We want to, we want to go on that side. We don't want to go on the other side. We yeah. want to go on that side. When we saw you, when did we see you? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. It, it, a church needs people who are ready to help, see a need, and, and jump in to help. It's important. We want to grow a healthy church. God wants this church to be healthy. He wants to bring life, true life, to the church. And he wants every single part to grow. Every single part. It's important for us to understand. And it's important to understand you're, you're noticing a pain in another person. That means now the Holy Spirit is, is asking you to do something. And it's more than just praying. You know, it's really important to say, it seems like you're struggling. You know, and you've got to be willing to go into a place where the other person's interest takes precedent above your own. We want to make that other person grow. And you know, some things in your life, like we've heard before, sometimes the greatest pains in your life is actually your ministry to other people where we want to bury it and hide it. We don't want anybody to know about it. How do we do it here? Well, you know, linger a little bit in the lobby after church. Get to know somebody. Hey, I've seen you, you know, you're coming here for a while. And I, I, I'm, my name's Steve. I don't know your name. I just, you know, you're starting to grow. You're causing this fellowship to grow healthy just by your willingness. Like Pastor Bean, what's it going to cost you? Time. <laughs> Time. You know, Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted, if you will, for just the one. He, he saw people. Yes. It wasn't just a blur of humanity to him. Right. When you read the Gospels. Like, he really saw people. He cared about the one, even though he had crowds that followed him. You know, but they, like I said, weren't just some blur of humanity that he was just always trying to escape from. Oh, these people. <laughs> I mean, it did say he went apart to pray. But I think he was praying about, again, how he could love people. And he took time to stop and listen. He saw each one. Like, when you read these stories, like, when you stop and think about it, yeah. like, he looked into their eyes. He cared about them. Like, the woman with the issue of blood. There's crowds following him. He's like, wait, who touched me? Right. You know, and he was on the way to help the centurion, and it's like, I'm taking time. Jairus. Jairus, yeah. His daughter. Uh, yeah, Jairus. It's like, I'm taking time for this one. And then, you know, he, we know the story. The woman was healed, but he took time to just listen to her testimony. Yeah. I, this is pretty amazing. Like, he went into individual homes. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. You know, then she got up and made him food. Like, he cared about the one. He cared about the blind man who yelled, you know, Jesus, son right. of David, have mercy on me. He cared. 
This man was an outcast. Everybody's telling that guy to be quiet. Yeah. But he let himself see the one. He cared about every individual person. It's like he looked at everyone in the eye and said, what's your story? Yeah, that's Who really, are you? That's like, really I, and that good. shows people value and worth. I mean, he could have just said, I'm Jesus, you know, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> I'm famous. I don't have time, you know, just everybody look at me. No, he was not like that. You know, and again, like when I'm rereading this, this Imagine Heaven book, there's so many stories like that that people experience with Jesus. Like yeah. this, he, I'm just going to read a tiny portion this time. But this was what he said. Everything about Jesus is love. He's pure light. And he's, he's brighter than the noonday sun when I saw him. But we can still look at him in heaven. Jesus is more beautiful, wonderful, and glorious yeah. than I can explain. And his love for you is so personal. It seems as if it's only for you. You come to realize that he's cared for you forever and will continue to care for you forever. Mm. His love is alive. It's more than just a sense. Like you are becoming his love. You are his love. Wow. Jesus loves us completely. It was like I was the only one he loved in all his creation. I knew he loved others, but it seemed as if he had eyes only for me. Wow. This is personal. This is very intimate. This is like this word, we use this word koinonia, but yeah. this is the kind of fellowship the Lord wants us to know that he looks at us this way. You know, and I think the more that we understand that and we look and have eyes like that and feel his eyes towards us, then it's easier for me to look yeah. at other people with those same eyes because I'm feeling that love and intimate look from God. I think our danger is sometimes we, we feel the look of God but we might, the devil comes and twists it into condemnation. Yeah, that's good. Twists it into, yeah, you're just not good enough. You're good, but, yeah. But see, the beauty of our relationship with Christ is like what Pastor Steve, we were talking about earlier, and even Cindy's word. You've been made righteous. You've been made perfected in his sight. Yeah. That doesn't get any better than that. I know we all have places that we need to have fixed, Amen. but it's not as though the Lord is just focusing on that. He will show us that, but not with a condemning eye. Amen. He'll show it to us so that we can go, oh, I don't want to be like that. Right. I want to be like you. Right. And so there is no condemnation when he does show us these things. And these things aren't burdensome. You know, like this scripture, as we begin to close, like for this, the, the love of God that we keep his commandments this is the love of God, and his commandments are not burdensome. Because at first, you know, some of these things can feel burdensome, can't they? And when we say, give up your life. That's right. Oh, <laughs> you know, crucify your flesh. Prefer the other Prefer person. Prefer the other person yeah. before yourself. Oh. It's more it can, blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. You know, these, these are things that, you know why? It's because of our carnal nature. When we, we discover who we are in Christ, these things are normal to give up our life. These things are normal to give rather than receive. These, these things are, uh, this is where we're going. This is our home. This is the atmosphere of heaven, folks. And the quicker we get a hold of it down here, the better it'll be. It's, it's this love that God is giving to us, revealing to us, displaying to us 
We have a choice whether we're going to accept it or not. I would suggest we accept it. Because when you start to say you're unworthy, that's your pride speaking. It's not humility, it's pride. It comes back down to saying, I'm better than the blood of Jesus. Jesus wants us to live and walk in this love. You know, when we, when we start to spend the extra time looking into the eyes of somebody here that we don't know, you're looking into the eyes of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's the thing that, that we have to keep remembering. Yep. And, it, the th- and here's the deal. Like, we're born, we are born of this spirit. This is really who we are. We're born of the spirit of Christ. And we are his hands and feet in the earth. I mean, we are the reflections. We are the light. We're supposed to be the light of the world. Yes. And we can do these things. Like, we cannot just say it's too hard. It's, it it isn't too hard for any of us. It's, I, I think of that scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. Right. It says, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. It's an interesting combo of things. Power, like the power that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Love mm-hmm. and self-discipline. Interesting combo. Because every one of us is going to need some self-discipline <laughs> in order to walk yep. out or work out our salvation. Aren't we? Yeah. I mean, we need this spirit and we, of self-discipline. And the Lord tells us, well, I've given that to you. So none of us can say, I can't. It's just too hard. <laughs> God will give me the power, but he still lets me have the choice. I can believe, but I have to still, he gives me the choice to act upon it. And it begins with me, like I have to act upon the truth. I have to believe and then act upon it that, you know, I can overcome old ways. I can overcome, you know, fleshly habits, reactions. It's going to take effort. It is going to take endurance on on our part. Because like I said, I think it's just so easy for all of us to go, let somebody else do it. It's too hard. Mm. But we miss out. You know, I think that some of these experiences that these people had, you know, they talk about the, the rewards. There is a lot, there's rewards for us for all eternity. And then yes. there's, of course, loss of reward. But we can't do this. We're not going to do it in our own strength. We're going to do it, you know, in the power of his strength, partnered with him. This is why scripture says, all things are possible to him who believes. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is the victory like, that overcomes Yeah, the look world? at this last verse. For everyone mm-hmm. who's, overcome, who's been born of God does what? Overcomes, overcomes the, the world. world. So you are an overcomer. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Faith. Our faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. Savior of the world. Our faith that... When I give him my life, he's cleansed me of my sin. He's made me a new creation. I have faith that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Faith that he he desires fellowship with me. I have faith that he's my beloved God and I'm his beloved child. And I have faith that he loves me with an everlasting love. I have faith that greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. 
I have faith that this is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith that he gave to me. I have faith that I can fulfill and walk in his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I have faith that I can love the unlovely. I have faith that I can change. I have faith that he is at work both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's awesome. I have faith. The greater one lives in us. In the living son of God. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you do gaze at us, Lord, with eyes of love and compassion. Yes. I pray, Father, that we feel that, Lord, as we meditate on the things that that we saw in your word this morning. And as we fellowship with you, Lord, I pray that we would be people that would desire to love you with all of our heart and continue to walk in your commands. Help us, Father to be these people that we are the light of the world but Lord I know first of all we need to be receivers of that love so we pray Lord for that we pray Lord we would be good receivers help us give us let us walk in childlike faith yes knowing that you're a good father you have good things for us you have good thoughts and plans and purposes for our life Help us, Lord, to be people that as we receive your love, then we gaze and look at our brothers and sisters in Christ with that same love. That we recognize, Lord, when we're doing it for the least of these, we're doing it for you. Right. Thank you, Lord. One of the biggest things that God wants is he wants you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He he wants you to walk in forgiveness. He wants you to walk, just like it says, in love, power, self-discipline. Jesus is offering all of this simply by you believing. The first step is following and walking into his kingdom. And Jesus made a way for that. He went to that cross and he died on that cross for the forgiveness of your sins. He shed his blood so that you could be forgiven, that you could be born anew. You could be born and become a child of the living God. How does that happen? It's by you simply accepting his gift because it is a gift. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's offering that to anybody who hears the Spirit calling. And today he's calling. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven and empowered by God himself to live a life that's fruitful and blessed, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it. And then we'll say a prayer and you can be freed from the power of sin anyone at all the prayer is simple in case there's somebody online watching yes it's a simple matter of a genuine prayer of faith Jesus come into my heart forgive me of my sin wash me clean make me a new creation and help me Holy Spirit 
to walk with you from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. amen.